Hey, Frank, you're hogging all my circuits. What do you want from me? I got motormen calling me from all over the line. Well, tell them to shat at and get off the air. I need some more lines open here. The only thing I never thought I'd see the day when talking to murderers took priority over running a railroad. Get off it, will you, Frank? My only priority is saving the lives of these passengers. Screw the goddamn passengers. What the hell do they expect for that lousy 35 cents to live forever? Oh, yeah, beautiful. You read me, Pelham, one, two, three. I was running things like when there were guns and tear gas to blast them out. Yeah, well, you're not running things, so why don't you start doing your own work and let the police do theirs, huh? Like that lily-livered cop on the train, huh? When the hell's he gonna start shooting? We don't even know if it is a he. You read me, Pelham, one, two, three. What the hell good are they? Probably can't have a gun in a goddamn purse. Pelham, one, two, three. Any news to report? What's that about news? Say again about news. I said, have you any news to report? Oh, no, nothing yet. Gesundheit. <coughs> what are you calling about? Uh, Pelham, we need more time. Shut the door, please. <laughs> it is 2.24, Lieutenant. You've got 49 minutes left. Be reasonable, will you? We're trying to cooperate with you, but we can't do anything if you don't give us enough time to work with. 49 minutes. We're dealing with City Hall, for God's sake. You know what a mess of red tape that is? 49 minutes. Look, fella, we know how to tell time here as well as you do, but we aren't going to get any place if all you do is repeat 49 minutes. 48 minutes. I don't know what you like. <laughs> I'd like to watch, Chief. What do you mean? I like to watch. I like to watch. I'm Don Hall. This is Donnie Smith. And this is the I Like to Watch podcast, the podcast that posits the question, is the cop a man or a woman? Because if it's a woman, she's not going to get a gun out of her purse. <laughs> that guy that guy is one of the best guys in the whole fucking movie he's, he's, uh, so funny right. so funny yeah. all right so donnie we've got a guest we've got like our first celebrity guest i uh, yeah i would say so yeah bona fide uh yeah. we are thrilled to be joined by a very special guest he is a writer director and producer of more than 20 feature films including wise guys midnight run 29th street trapped in paradise bad boys double take the whole 10 yards middlemen columbus circle vanquish the comeback trail just to name a few his career in hollywood spans four decades in that time he's worked with legends such as robert de niro morgan freeman tommy lee jones nicholas cage john travolta danny aiello ray liotta armin mueller stahl meg ryan eddie griffin he is an award-winning impressionist painter whose work has been exhibited in new york city he's a guitar playing rack on tour a mensch a stand-up guy an all-around good fella ladies and gentlemen mr george gallo Mm. all thank right thank you so much guys thank you all right you did right. he even left out your porn career and your great I'm coconut glad. balls well <laughs> you know, yeah yeah you know we, we try to we, we we try to get pg-13 here but uh no yeah, we're pretty yeah we're pretty outrated you can't f-bomb if we f-bomb by accident. you have no you f-bomb as much as you fucking oh no 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 please okay. yeah no fucking a go for this it. is right. an explicit okay. language podcast george <laughs> you know Donnie, I, I gotta tell you one thing when you, when you run off all those credits i it, it goes by in a blur and i'm almost like yeah i guess i did do that stuff <laughs> I mean, 
funny I don't think about it all that much. Oh, God, it's a, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful career, George. It's a beautiful career. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And you still got more going on. You still got more. Yeah. I hope so. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not that, yeah, it does. It. That's it. Well, Donnie knows you pretty well. I just yes. met you. Um, so I have some questions. One of the things really fascinating. I'm I've uh, I've kind of dabbled in a multitude of arts where I you know I did I, I played jazz professionally for a while, and then uh, and and then I did theater, off loop weird fucking Dada esque bizarre performance arty theater, and did comedy, and then I did storytelling, and then I wrote books, and so my question for you. Um, because you, as I mean, you've got a, a storied career in writing and directing film, and you are also, which I think is equally impressive, uh, an impressionist painter. And I'm sure you don't necessarily want to be codified in just impressionist, but you're a painter. Oh, but I am an impressionist. Okay. Painter. All right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you never know if, if you play with their dabble with anything else. But what I was really curious well, is I'm, you, I'm okay oh. being put in the company of Claude Monet and Vincent Van Gogh. I have no problem. <laughs> Well, there you go. Good company. Um, so, so my question is: Do you have you in your in your transitioning, going back and forth? Do you find any parallels between the creative process of writing and directing a film and the and, and the creative process of of painting? I'm curious about that. Yeah, parallels or differences? Uh, I can tell you the difference is easier than the parallels. I mean, uh, I, I I enjoy probably painting a lot more because you know as a painter it really is your own and you know if you fuck up nobody really knows other than you <laughs> and you don't have to read in the new york times that you suck you know if you have, <laughs> you know, which i've read you know i mean i was <laughs> one, one reviewer said the sooner i die the better and then another <laughs> reviewer said uh uh they wished my parents hadn't met Oh, you know, holy <laughs> shit. Holy <laughs> shit. For making comedies, you know, so I'm like, wow, that's, uh, you don't expect that. You know, you could say yeah. I didn't laugh, you know, but I wish your parents had met a rough one. Uh, so, but, but, so there's a lot of pressure on you when you're making a movie, uh, you know, if you care about what you're doing, but which I do care about what I'm doing. Yeah. But with painting, it's what's great about painting is, you know, you get the thought, you put it down, you're working at the speed of thought. And, and, uh, you know, you're f basically when you're done with it, you're finished. It's not like, and you don't need a hundred other people to make it. It's just you thinking. And I spiritually very much connect with the landscapes that I'm painting. So for that, you know, I enjoy it, you know, uh, but you know, there are similarities in that, you know, screenwriting, there's structure, you know, the structure in a painting, you know, uh, you know, you, you're trying to solidify a story in some way in everything you do. You're telling a story. It could be about the light or shadows or, or whatever you're trying to, you know, but, you, you know, you have to figure out what you want to say in order to say it. And that holds very true to writing and directing. You know, I mean, yeah. Waylon, Waylon Green said to me, uh, uh, our offices used to be next to each other at Paramount. And Waylon wrote The Wild Bunch and... Uh, a lot of great movies and Waylon used to come in and talk to me and I was just starting out. He would say, uh, if you can't tell your story in 25 words or less, you still don't know your story, you know? So that's pretty much true about painting too. It's like, well, what's, what is the featured element? What are you, what are you trying to say? See, now I had a booze 
and I'm dying for a cigarette. I'm not going to do it. I, oh. I don't. Keep, I don't keep them in the house. You know. Yeah. But, there you go. But, God bless. Good for you. But I'm already <laughs> chewing the inside of my fucking. Mouth. I know. I, oh, I'm sorry. I I, I vape. <laughs> I vape. Yeah. I love it. Um. Yeah. You know, there's one in the house somewhere. You know. I think always, always. Could, it's in always. one of them drawers. One of the drawers somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We could. We could do the podcast where i'm running around searching for <laughs> it, it, it reminds okay. me it reminds me i used to work for npr and i worked for a, a show called wait wait don't tell me and dennis yes. yeah yes. yeah that i was the house manager for 10 years were you yeah 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 I you never listened you to the listen i don't know what we're you know you don't mind digressing for oh yeah no. there we go where we go you. fuck my career i already know <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know I have to tell you, one of the most enjoying, in, the most wonderful car rides I ever had. I was driving home from Tucson, Arizona to Los Angeles. That's about 500 miles, right? And I was driving, driving, driving. I'm going through the radio stations. I can't get shit. And that show came on the air. And I got to tell you, I'm not just saying this. I laughed all the way from Tucson to Phoenix. I just loved it. It was a oh, great yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a, that was a lot of fun. But you reminded me of uh, Dennis Leary at one point, uh, and this was when Carl Castle was still alive, uh, God rest his soul. And Dennis Leary, the, we 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 recorded it in the basement of a bank, like Chase Bank downtown Chicago had wow. an auditorium with five hundred seats and a stage, and that's where we recorded. Wow. And Dennis Leary is backstage, and I talked to him for a little while. And we realized we we kind of had a similar sort of shitty attitude that was we laughed about that but all of a sudden he he comes over to, literally grabs me by the collar you know i'm i'm dealing with the audience and he goes hey hey done where can i smoke i can't get outside because the only way outside is to go through the audience which he's not going to do right. and i said i gotcha because i knew how to get to the back side the back parking garage i knew the <laughs> so, so i walked right. back there and he was just like he was just like, oh, you're a fucking godsend, man. You're a godsend. It's like, yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. Oh, yeah. uh, here's all right. So since I brought up the NPR thing, uh, I don't know if you're familiar. Are you familiar with the uh, the rock and roll podcast and radio show Sound Opinions? No. With Sorry. Jim Jim DeRogatis and Greg Cott, they've been doing it at WBEZ in Chicago for decades. One of the things that they do that I love is they once in a while will do a desert island pick show where they're talking. It's like the whole conceit is, okay, you're on a desert island. You got one choice. That's all you get. What's it going to be? So I have some desert island questions for you. Okay. Sure. All right. So you're on a desert island. It's just you. Nobody else. No escape. You get to pick one album to listen to. What's the album? Uh, maybe Rubber Soul, The Beatles. Oh, oh, you are my man. That's a great choice. Thank you. Oh Thank my you. God, that's really? see, see, that's a great choice. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. the book you're going to bring with you? And it could be nonfiction, fiction, whatever you want. It could be a picture book. I don't give a shit. Catcher on the Rye. <laughs> Good call. Good call. All right. All right. So like, like Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption, you know, he gets a poster. He gets a poster of a hot woman. Now he's using it to cover up his escape. You're going to use it to jerk off to. So what's, what's the poster? Oh, wow. Who's the woman that you're going to jerk off to on the desert island? 
My wife's going to listen to this. So. <laughs> I don't want to say I would jerk after my wife because she'll get equally pissed. So, <laughs> I don't know. This one's a trap on every level. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll pass on that one. All right. That's okay. See, I can, see, I can ask that. She's a beautiful woman. Uh, she's she's uh, by a pool. She's looking over her shoulder at me. I'm the only man in the world. She's on all fours. And... Uh, she just has that look in her eye saying, uh, only you can satisfy me. That's the poster, basically. And 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 there's a hand right. there's a hand with right. a black glove in her face. Right. And it's oh entitled Smell the Glove. Smell the glove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Wow. There you and, go. And All then right. the last last of the desert island. What is your mm. choice? You get one. What is your choice of mind altering substance? Oh. Choice of uh, well, I'd probably be bourbon, but I think cocaine would make it go a lot quicker, right? <laughs> wow, Fuck, it's night great. again, it's morning again, it's night again, it's morning again. <laughs> I don't care if I ever leave this fucking room. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is 30 years, it feels like 12 minutes. It's just moving, it's moving, man. I love it, I love oh, it. That's so funny. All right, so here's my here's my last uh like weird question. Okay, so think of, think of all the movies, not the ones you wrote, wrote or directed, but all the movies that have been written and directed in the history of film. What's the one movie you really wish you had either written or directed? Oh, wow. One I wish I'd written or directed. Maybe uh, it's a wonderful life. Oh god. Solid, solid. That I love that movie. I Here's love that George movie. Bailey, the richest man in town. Yeah, yeah. Um, and dance to the light of the moon. Yeah, I fucking love that movie, man. I love that movie. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a that's a great choice. I love that. Dom, what was your what would yours be? A movie that I would have. Yeah, yeah. Written and directed. Pick, yeah, pick one. I've never asked you. That's a good question. What would you do? Oh. Fuck off! I have to ask the questions. I don't have well, to. Fuck have you! Answer. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right. The Godfather. Well, you already got me in, in divorce court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, well, you're not going to film jail for that question, George. Right. Come on, you're all right. All right. You're all you right. You know, you're all right. <laughs> written. Okay, okay. Written the apartment. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, fucking directed, directed Fight Club. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don Don's working on a book of uh, mm -hmm. perfect perfect films, and I texted him the other night. Fight Club. I love Fight Club. I texted him the other night because I was just watching it again. Yeah. Uh, for the probably fucking hundredth time, uh, I said if seven is not on your list of perfect films it should it is would you it's interesting because one of the things george like i said i wrote a i wrote a, a thing about called the it's, it's a book called the problematic movies of the 80s and it was just basically the joke was at the time kavanaugh was becoming the supreme court justice and he made this big thing in the hearings about how, hey, I watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Caddyshack, and this is just how he behaved. And I thought, well, I watched those movies and loved them, and I wasn't a rapist. I mean, not yet. Yeah. And so, so I thought, <laughs> um, well, let me go revisit some of these comedies of the 80s and see if I found them in terms of sort of like the modern nomenclature, if they were problematic. It's a fun book. Now I'm writing a book. It's the 20 perfect films. Now, I know that 
that's all subjective, but I've been trying to find sort of a, a metric or as Donnie will say, a rubric yeah. um, for, for <laughs> what makes a film perfect because 20 is a small number. In terms think, of the hits, yeah, the film perfect. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, about, yeah so do you have any? Do you, you have any ideas? What did Hawk say? He said uh, that were all the scenes. What did he say? Three great scenes and no bad ones. I mean, I don't. know. I mean, look, a perfect movie. That's interesting. You know, I don't know the answer to that. Is this a question? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Go for it. Would love to. Hear. Like yeah, to I'd love to hear. I'd love I'd like to, to think about her think. fucking cigarettes right now. Uh, <laughs> so sad. Um, <laughs> a perfect movie. You know, there's, well, you know, it's funny. There's movies that I loved 20 years ago that I see today and I don't have the same feelings about them anymore. I think it's uh, a perfect movie. I don't. Hmm. You're, George, George, just interrupt. You are, you are spot on. Uh, three good scenes and no bad ones is what yeah. makes a, a perfect film. Well, I did see. Well, and that's, yeah. that and, thing then, is, and then there's like something like to look again. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, 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 please, go, go, please. Go, go. No, sometimes there's something that it, like attracts you to it that the next person doesn't understand the attraction at all. Like, for, I'll tell you, recently I just watched Jeremiah Johnson and Love I couldn't it. take my eyes off it. It, it's a no. gorgeous film. It's a gorgeous movie, and I'm a landscape painter, and I love standing in front of nature. And the thing I love about nature the most most is that I get to realize instantly that I don't fucking matter at all, which <laughs> is a great place to start in your mind, you know? Because I think we live in a world of narcissists and egocentric mental cases. And <laughs> Go stand by a river and look up at the Rocky Mountains. You don't mean shit. Yep. So, you know, and it's, like I say, anytime... You have any doubts? Just take a walk in the woods. You know, yeah. um, it reminds me. It reminds me of a, a poster I saw once. It was just a picture of space, and it said, "You matter, but you don't matter." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't think I ever felt that until I moved out to LA and went to the ocean for the first time. You know, because I was I was born and raised I was born and raised in Chicago. I think we went down to Orlando maybe once or twice when I was a kid to fucking Disney. But like we didn't travel, like we didn't you know, grow up kind of yeah. fucking poor. You don't really go go too far. No, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I so I came out here for the first time, and I yeah, man. I mean, yeah, hitting that ocean is you just it's look at Lake Michigan's it's pretty great. fucking big. Lake Michigan's yeah, pretty no, fucking Lake big, but like great. nothing like the fucking. I happen ocean. to love Chicago, by the way. I'm moving to Chicago in two weeks. I Are lived, you? There, for, I lived back, there for 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moved to Vegas, got a divorce, came to Kansas to help with my mom, with my dad who got sick. Well, my oh, dad's so better. And so I'm, oh, he's, well, yeah, much better, much improved. And so uh, I got a job offer. So I'm, I'm, I'm heading out to Chicago in a couple of weeks. I love Chicago. It's my favorite town other than Edinburgh, Scotland, my favorite town in the world. E1 Reese, you know that tobacco store there? They got, mm -hmm. the, yeah, that's in Chicago. Every time I'm there, I get some cigars. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you want to get into the picture? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, oh, let's fuck it. Let's just keep chatting about what the hell are you talking about, Rico? Why were they shooting a hostage? We're still under the deadline. I told you somebody threw a shot at them. Who the hell was it? Nobody knows. My bet is we never will. See, when are we going to hear from that cop who's on board? What do you want, Rico? A suicide? There's a bunch of heavily armed men down there. What chance has one lousy cop got, especially if it's a dame? Oh, what a mess. 
Pelham 123, come in. This is Garber. This is Pelham 123. Come in, Garber. For Christ's sake, fella, did you have to do it? One of my men was fired at. I warned you what the penalty would be. Yeah, you warned me. Where's the money? I'm going to give you 30 seconds more. I thought I had seen this film. I really did. And when I sat down to watch it, I realized, oh, I haven't seen this. And this is so much fucking funnier than I, I would ever even have associated with it. Terrible. It's fucking fall down funny. So yes, tell well, us about the, the it's movie. One, it's yeah. one of the fun parts about our podcast. So like, we'll do this from time to time, like introduce movies. I had never seen pennies from heaven. Yeah, I knew about it, of course, you know, especially walking and I love dancing. it. He didn't like Never it. But I love so it. that's that's part of the that's part of the the fun of this podcast is not only to introduce each other to shit that we've never seen, but also, you know, gush about good shit and, yeah. you know, enjoy the bad shit, too, because there's some fun, bad movies out we there. Did, oh, hey, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we've done what? we've done some bad movies. We've 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 we did oh, a live count thing and count me in on that. One. Listen, <laughs> yeah. Hey, a lot of times I'd rather watch something terrible than something fantastic. You, you, you learn a lot from the bad stuff. You do, and I can't stop laughing at bad movies. Yeah. Like, oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> working, you know. I think one of the worst ones we did was uh, Barry Gordon's The Last Dragon. That's exactly that what one? I was thinking. Oh, my God. And we did it in his house. We did, it was the only time we were in the we same recorded room live together in, yeah. his, in his house. And it was just... It's a clusterfuck. It was vanity. Just, it, vanity was in it. Oh. Princess, princess, protege, vanity. No, I can't think. It's of like, that. dude, it was it a is movie so... called Star Crash. Did you ever see that? Star Crash. Yeah. Ooh, oh, dude, no, dude. I, again, I got to look. I'm you writing it down. Up a joint and watch Star Crash. It's life changing. I, I'm I have writing it down. Oh yeah, right. it, it's it's uh Joe Spinelli, Christopher yeah. Plummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some outer space movie that I think they shot in Italy. The set <laughs> over the top ridiculous. I got to tell you, I watched it with a friend of mine in a, in a theater when it came out because my friend was the manager of the theater. I wished I remember what we were doing. We were actually, we started changing the dialogue as we were watching and talking out loud. We took over the whole movie. movie oh theater. People were in a <laughs> I Brilliant. wish I remembered it, but we were. Oh, yeah, yeah fucking Joe Spinell. Yeah, oh. no, it was like the Darth Vader of the wow. <laughs> Oh, I'm serious. He's like this Darth Vader guy with a fucking like little goatee. He's so clearly from New York. They say he's from the planet. <laughs> and he comes out and goes, I'm going to, it's almost like you cocksuckers. I'm going to yeah, fuck yeah. you up with this here ray gun. You say one more fucking word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got to be kidding, man. <laughs> Oh, my uh, God. that's so brilliant. funny. That's All right. Brilliant. So what's the movie yes. that you picked for us, George? And why I do you like to take, watch it? The Taking of Pelham 123. You know, it's, the Taking of Pelham 123 really. OK, I think it came out in 1975, if I'm not mistaken. 74. Maybe, 74. 74. All right. So that means I'm 18 years old. I'm a senior in high school. I got my Super 8 camera. I'm running around shooting movies. I want to be a filmmaker, but, you know, I'm in upstate New York, so I'm as far away from that as one can imagine. And I, you know, I used to go to the movies every weekend, and I saw The Taken of Pelham 1, 2, 3, and I literally said, that's what I want to do. Those are the movies I want to make. And it, it definitely had a major impact on me. And 
you know, the interesting thing about taking a poem one, two, three is like you, we, you just said, it's hysterically funny and it's, and it's not afraid of violence. I mean, a lot of people get fucking shot in that movie and you can't stop laughing. It was, <laughs> it was the precursor to, to 48 hours and a lot of those movies because it was legitimately funny, but it was funny out of character. It wasn't gaggy. It was funny out of character. The fact that Martin, uh, Martin, Martin Lawrence, Martin, uh, Balsam. Balsam. Yeah, Martin Balsam. Oh. But the, your math out. He, he's almost like a borderline. Oh, he's just, you know, remember he, he was talking to that police captain on the phone through the whole movie. Then when he meets yeah. you, yeah. Thought you were, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what I thought. I thought you were taller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You know, like, right. so much stuff that comes. Plus, the movie's incredibly tense because, you know, a lot of that movie, they have one hour to, st- to keep all these people from getting killed. So you're wound up. And to me, it was like just a that screenwriter, Peter Stone. Peter Stone, little, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite screenwriters because he wrote he wrote another movie called Mirage. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Gregory mm-hmm. Peck. Yeah, I love that movie. Great screenplay. And he well, also Char- wrote, Charade was Charade. He wrote Charade, yeah. which was fantastic. Yeah. And then he wrote a sweet little movie called Father Goose. I don't know if you remember that movie with Cary Grant. No. Oh wow! Oh, oh it's terrific. Carrie Grant, yeah, they they uh, it's during the Second World War, and they need a uh, they need a, a guy to spot Japanese planes from coming in, and they can't find any volunteers, so they kind of crash his boat, and he has to paddle to this island where there's a shack with a radio, and they tell him they'll give him a bottle of booze for every plane he spots. Wow. So, oh, he that's awesome! The radio. Oh, he starts getting on the radio. He goes, oh, I see an entire fleet. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it, but it's really, it's very hard. Oh. And he ends up taking care of all these little kids on this island. And uh, so, this writer had a tremendous amount of range. So, I fell in love with that writer's work. But anyway, Pelham One Two Three. Sorry, I'm going all over the place. No, that's oh that's no, no, no. That's, that's what that's what we do. It's a it's a bunch of guys sitting at a bar talking about movies. Yeah. Okay, great. Into the weeds. There's a couple of references in Midnight Run. If you know Midnight Run well, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a couple of references to Pelham One Two Three that I put in there just as a personal. Uh, uh, okay. Um, See now, I, I got to rewatch because yeah, I watch, yeah, yeah now I'm I watch Midnight. Well, that's things I watched Midnight <laughs> Run like uh, a month ago because I was, it was I was like you know well he had, actually I think is Donnie had mentioned that he knew you and I went. God damn, I haven't seen that movie in forever. That's such a fucking good movie. And so yeah, it is. It's just a, a and, and hats off to you. I know, you know, that's but hats off to you. No, I that appreciate is, that. Look, that is know, such a funny, well put together, and and I, you know, and I, Donnie's really more the uh the you know the cinematography. That is a really well shot and edited film too. I mean, everything about that movie like just people around works. I made that movie. Yeah, that's such a good movie. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Sorry, I run, Rob. No, it's okay. Uh, Robert De Niro's on the phone in the first twenty some odd minutes of the movie when he lands in New York on the phone. He's on the telephone. He says, Harold Longman, please. And he wants to get the, a phone number uh, for somebody. And Harold Longman was Mar- the name of Martin Balsam's character in the take. Okay. Wow. See, that's awesome. That's that was thing. And then he says, say hello to Julie for me, which is my wife, Julie. Wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that one I knew. That Who at the knew. time was my girlfriend. And, uh, and then he later on says, it's not a million dollars. It's a one with six zeros. I took that right out. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Now, there's a lot of stuff that because right. that movie meant a lot to. Yeah. Now the thing that that I loved about uh, Stone's screenplay, and you know, ultimately every what I loved about it more than anything, and I think you're dead on, is that it the comedy comes from. It's not just the specific characters, but for me, it's rare to see. I mean, there there was a period in time where New York City was its own character. And this movie just zones it. It's uh, what I thought was so funny about it is watching it the other night. It hit me that not only is this a great heist movie. I mean, it's a great heist movie. It's got high stakes. It's got great tension. It's really fun. Fucking Shaw is absolutely dead on. I mean, all this good stuff. But it's also kind of a satire of New York City. And it's just so fucking funny. Yeah, I don't think any movie that I can think of really captured New York City better than the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 at that time in that city. (laughs) You know, uh, I mean, there's, and it was so blunt. And uh, New York is a blunt city. You know, it was especially then, you know. uh, Oh, yeah. what does he say when he goes, uh, what are they going to say within the mayor's office? What are they going to say? Who? Who's they? The voters. Oh, you know, he goes, you know what they're going to say. The right. liberals will support you along with right. that. Da, 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 da. Right. The blacks will support you along with the Jews and the Puerto Ricans won't give a shit. Right. So, right. <laughs> it was so, yeah. it was yeah. so un, un, unafraid and so raw. And so, because that's how people would behave in those situations. Yeah. I think you laugh at seeing people without filters, mm-hmm. you know, when they're scared, when they're backed into a corner, well, because when you start responding when, to their humanity, you know, when, when the mayor's wife says, what are they going to say? When he says, what are they going to say? She said, you'll have 18 guaranteed yes, votes. Yes. <laughs> right, 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 right. This is so What's fucking inter- great. What was, what was interesting to me, like, George, I like to do a lot of deep dives into these movies, just yeah, to do research and shit, you know, um, what was interesting to me was that the the transit authority really actually required them to not use graffiti trains and then they completely like sandblasted the graffiti out of the subway tunnel that they would shoot in for the movie. there's some the different the different stations they would shoot in which like clearly was not part of that at the time so That's as much as this movie to me, especially, like, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you lived it. You were there in in a lot of ways back then. Um, to me, this movie, uh, growing up, really was like that kind of, like I had never been to New York City, so it was my kind of like limited slice of view of that city. And to then later learn that, like, oh no, no, it was in a lot of ways like completely wiped away of a certain level of character. Was yeah, really, I, it was really interesting to to kind of read. Yeah, I like I wasn't aware of that to be honest with you. You're not the I'm running I'm running the movie through my head yet because there was graffiti on all those trains everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Oh yeah, everywhere. at that time well, period. And, yeah, yeah. And in the same and in the same year, you know, you have uh uh what was it uh Death Wish with uh Bronson. Yeah, uh, Bronson, uh, Michael Winner. I was trying to think of the director. Oh, okay. Like, and like that was like a lot more gritty and kind of in a way like really disparaging of the city as oh, opposed yeah, to as opposed to uh, uh, Pelham, which is 
like really showing a lot of different slices of the city. Just well, it was kind of a loving embrace of the city. Yeah, 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 exactly. It wasn't, but yeah, it, 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 it was, it wasn't the Woody Allen sort of uh, bougie version of the city. It was, no, it was a really working, yeah, it was a working class, like people that ride the subway. I mean, one of the things I really loved about this movie is that you've got the two Hispanic characters and they speak in Spanish. And at no point does, I mean, there's no, translation and it, it doesn't matter because that's what you'd see on the subway you get the right. black guy who's sort of pimped out you get yeah. the old jewish guy who's you know i've been running I mean, the subways before you were born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean everything about it feels like this is a slice of what new york city probably was exactly like at that time and what a great thing to see another thing i'm going to ask about this george because one of the things I I was, the fact that they pulled all their guns out remember they said anybody that gets up is going to get shot and they all start laughing on the yeah table. right exactly yeah yeah what the they, fuck like we've they, never seen this before yeah because yeah. that's new york but one yeah. of the things I thought was really funny, and, and Donnie and I have talked about this a little bit, is, is you know, one of the things I think is very interesting lately, you know, in, in society, we've got uh, we've got an argument that uh, women have not come a long way. And if you want to know how far women have come in this country. Oh, yeah. Watch that. Watch movie. this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, but what I love about it is it's so clean in that, you know, it's like I can't curse. Because there's a woman in here. How do I run a train? Yeah, we're, we are right. It's exactly right. Well, am I here? How are you going to run a goddamn railroad without cursing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, did, well, but there's so many how about he, Yeah. How about when they see there's a cop on the train and the, and the oh, guy yep. is a man or a woman and he says, oh, Jesus, totally. I never thought of asking. You know, yep. it's. Yeah. Yep. It's a, what, but, but, woman, what is he looking at? He goes, what good is a goddamn woman cop? You can't fit her gun in her fucking purse. Out of her purse, yeah. But I also really love, <laughs> so you've got that kind of through line, but I also, it's it just, it, I, I, I had to pause the film. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. And it's a throwaway line. Again, it's a throwaway. Mathau is so fucking good because it's a what? throwaway line. Is when the cop, who is obviously a man, but he's got hippie hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stay here, miss. Stay here, miss. I thought oh, I was going to shit myself. I laughed so hard. Oh, it was well, good, it's wonderful. Go play with your fucking trains. Remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, and, I mean, one of one of my favorite moments is is between uh, Mathau and what is his name? Dick O'Neill. Uh, Dick O'Neill. Uh, Frank yeah. Corral. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and God, uh, the, the Lord Byron of the New York City subway system. Oh, yes. Awesome. Notice how flame um, smoke shoot out yeah. of his mouth. <laughs> But um, he show your goddamn the- instructions. Remember, you <laughs> the dumb son of a bitch. If you don't oh. see what I say, you're going to be having dinner tonight with Kaz Dalowitz. Exactly, and it's that moment. It's that moment where he grabs him and he like kind of throws him down, or he gives off balance and it's falls, or whatever. The, no, he knocks him look, off his chair. Look, yeah. No, no, the look on his face because it's the camera looking. It's a you know high angle mm-hmm. kind of not high angle, but like shot at him looking back at Mathau. That I don't think that was fucking planned. I think that's one of the most real moments of the fucking movie because the look he gives him, it's like I, again just as an actor, it's like the look that he gives him. Like I don't think he was expecting to fall down or be thrown down. Oh, I think you're by right. Mathau. It was out from brilliant. underneath him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, but they kept the shot because it was the best shot. Because it's fucking yeah, brilliant. Yeah. That reaction shot is fucking brilliant. Yeah, oh, yeah. So good. And that's uh, to me like that's 
the the realism that this film kind of brings in so many fucking ways like you have some really great actors here with with uh, oh, Balsam yeah. and Shaw and Elizondo and you know and Matthew like you've got a lot of like post-World War II guys who like yeah. came back like survived came back and like yeah. they're real they're real guys like they're like you know yes, well, and that's it's, it's, that today is largely vanished it's very oh hard. yeah as a writer, it's, if you want to write a very sort of male character, it's you go, who the fuck's going to play this? It's like, uh, no, you get you, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to well, shit no, on. No, go ahead, you know. Well, no, I mean, you, I'll, I'll shit on them. I don't care. I worked with them, and they're very nice guys. So you get Gerard Butler, or you get Jason Statham, and it's like. Yeah, but those are guys doing those are like pretend tough guys. I that's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. But that's what you get now. Well, we've done it. The real version. Donnie and I've had. Get, well, yeah. Donnie and I've had this conversation before, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are because I have one no of the things about anything. With nothing, <laughs> nothing. Just go fucking go paint a goddamn landscape. Go George. paint Jesus a fucking Christ. tree. <laughs> goddamn. No, but, but one of the things that's very interesting is, and I that I don't know where this changed, where this shifted, because there's always been really pretty people in the movies. Right. But the kind of movies that I'm really always very interested in, I mean, I, you know, I like, you know, I love Redford in the early days and, you know, yeah, the, the beautiful, beautiful people, beautiful people. But there's something about a film where no one in the movie oh, is pretty. They look I'm like gonna... real people that you're going to see. Everybody on that fucking train, every yep. one of those people on the train, they're not model attractive. No, they, they look, look like, like they bought a real, ticket. Exactly. They're like real fucking people. Mathal looks like a real guy. Yeah. Balsam Jerry, looks like Jerry, a real Jerry guy. Fucking, Jerry fucking Stiller. I, you know what I mean? Like you looks got, like a yeah, real guy, and there's something yeah, that's yeah. missing when we don't have movies that actually have people that look like the people you're going to see every day. It it, it kind of loses. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I agree. I mean, this this could, you could do hours on this. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. You're 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 five minutes first subject. You know, look, I feel <laughs> that there is a tremendous disconnect today between a lot of the films that are getting made and what people actually want to see and and i think what worked always about the movies was that you watched people that were somehow relatable that were going through similar issues that you might be going through or what would you do if you were thrust into this situation and you like they you were sort of the same person you know in that uh, today I, I think there's something about a lot of films that have that are getting made where there's something elitist about it and there's be and as a result there's there's been let's say more of a chasm between the work that's getting done as opposed to um you know the average person the audience member who who comes home and you know, if he's watching a TV series or they're watching, uh, um, you know, or they're going to the movies. I, I, I don't know if I'm making my, my point. No, well, no, I, no, I think you are making your point. No, well. we, why yeah. do we love Pelham? We love Pelham because it's like every those people are all people we know. Yeah. Every, every moment every that we're one watching, of them. Yeah. Right. 
And you believe every moment you're watching. The same thing is true yep. of the French Connection, yep. the French of Eddie Coyle. If you start yep. looking at the movies, you believe everything you're seeing. Okay, even the even the Exorcist, as extraordinary as no, that the kind Exorcist, of story is, it's right? real like, people. Billy Freakin was a good friend of mine. Make me rest peace. And and uh, we used to talk quite a bit about making movies. And uh, again, those guys, they all came from working class backgrounds. Those filmmakers, they're. You know, like you see, some of those actors fought in the Second World War, the Korean mm -hmm. War. They just, they were rooted in reality. You know, if, if you've, again, and I'm not putting, I'm not putting any of this down. I want to make no, 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 no. But if you lead a very comfortable life, what are you drawing upon? You know, like as an actor, what are you drawing upon as a writer? What are you drawing upon as a director? If, if everything's been sort of handed to you when you you start to get this sort of almost detached kind of view of things you know uh, uh i don't know anyway so but so uh, there's a big difference i mean look i'll be honest with you i've had this conversation with other people where like i'll turn on the tv with the volume off just to look at imagery you know mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. the thing i do as a filmmaker i'm always interested and i i look at it like a minute i go i don't believe any of this shit i don't believe the image <laughs> i think it's bullshit it's too fucking pretty that guy looks like he just got out of the makeup chair <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah 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 it's all horseshit you know none of these people swag yeah i have a theory you know, not one of them ever took a shit it's like yeah. all <laughs> bullshit you know I have a theory, and my theory is, and because I'm, I'm what a is big, your theory, goddamn I'm I'm a big fan of the concept of cycles because I, I did as I look through history, because I'm a big history buff, you just see cycles repeated. And one of the things I think is interesting is if you look at the movies that were going on in the 30s, a lot of the films were feel-good films that did not represent what was actually happening in the world. They, they were not about real people. There was the wizard of Oz. And so there, and there were a lot of musicals. And I think we are in a similar period in probably the last, I'm going to, I'll just, I'll just say 15 years where the world feels out of control. We don't quite know what's happening with things. And I think, Hollywood is saying, okay, maybe this is what people need. They need this just non this this blue screen feel good and pretty things because the 70s we came out of an era and all of a sudden these filmmakers said, "Fuck you. We're going real. We're going to show you real life. We're going to show you shit you've never that you see every day or with people that you're never going to see again. We're going to show you Easy Rider, which granted was the 60s, but still it was coming into the 70s. Oh, yeah, we're going to show right? Yeah, we're going to show you Serpico. We're going to show you movies about real people. And then we kind of got into the Reagan era and we wanted uh, something different. And I I'm think audiences sure, yeah. had That's something 100% to do true. I think a lot of that had to do with the, the you know, obviously the psyche. Well, a couple of things, the psyche and the zeitgeist of, of the United States. We were coming basically out of the Vietnam War. Uh, nobody had ever seen. OK, and, and this is not meant to be some sort of speech this is just a you know just just a, a a view of things you know of course uh, we were coming off the vietnam war uh which america i think took 
as a people took a tremendous degree of pride that they could win any fight. Um, and that's a war that basically in the end, you know, however you want to look at it, we, we didn't win. We, no. whatever the fucking objective was, we pulled out. Yeah. We pulled out. Yeah. So I think that reverberates in people's souls. Plus it's the first time that we had ever watched the body count on the news. Mm -hmm. The idea of a war was this distant idea. Oh, they're fighting over the second war. Can you imagine if someone had a camera, you know, on the beaches of uh, Normandy, Normandy. Yeah. My grandpa was on Normandy and, and yeah, yeah, the war would not have continued. Not a a question. You know, where like you lost 10,000 people in the first 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff, if that was being, shown on your tv screen every night people would have a different view of the war so it was this sort of thing that the public was separated from with vietnam it was in your living room mm-hmm. and then it, you know uh, kent state and students dying protesting so a lot of a lot of stuff happened that i think changed the way people look at things and i think again that also leaks into the culture leaks into the arts and i i think a lot of it was the fuck bullshit we're going to make real yeah and and then i think people got tired of real because then they started then disco comes out and everybody starts <laughs> and, and then you star know. wars and jaws yeah, turn yeah. that around yeah it's a now cycle feel, it is a cycle now i feel like maybe we're a little unsure where we are i don't know where we're going i'm not sure where we're heading uh well because i always said like the 90s was that kind of resurgence of the 70s in a big way it had you some know, feel. It with, had some with, feel uh, to that, yeah. Yeah, with with the you know the the kind of uh, disruptors of <clears throat> Soderbergh and and Tarantino and Rodriguez, yeah. and, uh, Spike Lee. Those guys I watch all the time, you know, because I feel yeah. like I feel like. Look, I love artists. You know, I I love artists. I love actors. I love musicians. I love filmmakers, painters. You know, writers. I love literature. So I love being in the hands of an artist. I want to go on the trip, on the trip with them, whatever they're saying. I want to, it's a personal thing, a journey. I want to go on the trip with them. These studio movies to me, I know I'm looking at movies where there are 43 fucking guys in a room, women, yeah. whatever, yeah. you know, in a room trying to, you know, what if we do this, that'll mean this. It's, I, I don't feel like I'm in the hands of an artist. It's more like, right. you know, it's like, uh, we want to make a painting, but we're going to, take a poll of we're gonna do it by committee we're gonna do it by committee right. Well, right. You know, and, and the thing is i enjoy an escapist entertainment donnie and i've had a, a big long <laughs> standing feud for 50 60 episodes now because i happen to i grew up reading comic books i i, I mean i that's how i learned to read was comic books and so i really have a great deal of love for some of the earlier marvel movies and I know the thing is, I know they're not deep, uh, but but when they're well no, no, made, somebody, you know, but I, I, when they're I well made, I love them. You know, I love but them. But those earlier movies caught some of the angst in the comic books because the comic books weren't just fluffy. No, not they at made all. With people with caves uh, with capes and all of that shit, but these yeah. were very flawed superheroes. In yes, and it really worked. Yes. Superman had kryptonite. You know, they all had that thing that could take them out. And that's a very human idea. And I think that's why as kids, we 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 were drawn to that stuff because they were sort of broken heroes, even though yeah. they 
interesting. Well, I mean, you know, Iron Man, and that's what I think is what what I, what I love, and this is just me. What I love about Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark as Iron Man is that Tony Stark's whole there was a whole there was a whole comic section. I think it was like three episodes, but it was all about Tony Stark dealing with his deep alcoholism. Right. Robert Downey Jr. dealt with his fucking drug problem. And then he played an alcoholic who was a superhero and he did it so well. So I have a great deal of love for that. On the other hand, and Donnie and I talked about this, even though I had the wrong date and I, here's a little housekeeping post haste, the last episode, for some reason, but maybe it's just cause I'm getting old and I'm stupid. Um, I thought that the Oscars not was old or stupid. This is a yeah. very <laughs> I, I, I thought that the Oscars were going to be on February 9th. They're on March 10th. So we t- so I told Donnie we have to talk about the Oscars. But one of the things that I'm really excited about this, and I haven't been excited about the fucking Oscars in decades. I haven't given a shit for decades. But this year, you've got some films that I, in my opinion, are really excellent and like not the not the tent poles not i mean i loved oppenheimer i had some issues with it but you know and and people have some problems with maestro but past lives and anatomy of the fall these are films that you can tell were made by real people that had a real story to tell that got real actors and had real and and i'm just like i just recently I just recently saw, oh, shit, now I can't even think of the title of it. The one about, the, oh, you're going to kill me. You're yeah. going to kill me, Donnie. It's the, it's the one about uh, the, 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 the family living out just, just on the other side of the fence of Auschwitz. It's a, it's a Best Picture nominee. Right now? Yes, it's a Best Picture nominee. It's no a idea. fucking. I did not. I, I I can't think of the title. I'll I'll it. figure it out. I didn't see it. I just no. I just rented it and watched it the yeah. other night, and I was like, "This is a movie. They don't look like it's it's a, a, a uh, it's Glazer who directed it, but it's fucking brilliant, and it's dark, and it's real, and it's like okay, maybe this is a sign that we are kind of." Exactly what George said. We're confused about where we want to go, but maybe, maybe there is room. Yeah, no, I know. I, real- I guess. Look, I love to, that. To, to George's point, and uh, George is way more connected into this shit than we. Oh yeah, right, yeah. yeah. no, I'm but, not. But, but well, but to your point about like the realism, but like it, it's it's all that more difficult to get these kinds of movies, those kinds of movies made today, I think, than it than it was in the I said something a couple of years ago, I forget which movie I was referencing. Maybe it was Marriage Story, um with uh Adam I don't Driver. Know, it was Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, right? Marriage Story. Hmm. Um I think it was something like that was getting a lot of praise. And it's a great film and there's some great acting in that fucking piece. To me, it was like, well, this just would have been another movie released in the 70s. I don't know that it maybe it would have gotten high praise. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. But to me, this was like, this is just another movie that would have been released in the 70s versus now where a piece like that comes along and it's suddenly elevated to this status of this is brilliant. And it's only 
really brilliant in a way because we don't make a lot of those kind of fucking movies. Well, you know, and, and, and I, 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 I looked it up. I don't know. It's, I don't know. The movie, the movie is called The Zone of Interest. Zone of Interest. Okay. Zone no, of Interest. And, and it really, it's about a family, a German family living in a house. And it, it's, it's also very, no, no, but we talked about this. This is not an American very, film, Don. It's no, it's what, but that, I don't give a fuck. What hey, I know, this made is a musical, right? It's, this is a musical. No, no. No, I'm no, you, man. I know you are, but it's, <laughs> but it is. So, the thing is, it's so good because, you know, because, you know, when you when you start the movie, you know what it's about. It's not like it's a secret, but it's such a slow burn and it's just regular people living a regular life and they just sure. happen to be maybe 10 miles from a death camp. And the father of the thing is one of the guys running the death. Camp. It's the most. Right. It's devastating. Look, and and real and 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 it's not. It again. I, the script is good. The performances are good. Nobody looks like a fucking Hollywood actor. Nobody looks pretty. Everybody looks like a real person. Right. And maybe you got to go to Germany to find real people anymore. But it's just brilliant, and and wow. I loved it. All right, I'll it. check it out. Yeah, I really loved it. I, I couldn't I, I couldn't get over how much I like this movie and I did not want to watch it. <laughs> that's that's the exact when I really don't want to watch something, but I'm like, you know what? I've seen I've seen all but one of the best picture nominees and I'm kind of really into it this year. I got to watch this movie. It's fucking great. Oh, it's devastating. Great. What? Uh... Where were you this afternoon, Mr. Larkin? Uh, why? You tell me where, I'll tell you why. Right here. Can anyone verify that fact? Uh, you said you'd tell me why. You were here all afternoon? Yeah, sleep in the afternoon. All afternoon? Well, till about an hour ago. But you heard about the hijacking, huh? <clears throat> What did I check in? Subway train. So <laughs> you gotta be kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding? I mean, would I be here if I was kidding, mister? Wait. We wanna do a thing like that. Hey, Zeke, you got a match? No. You got a warrant? No. The Supreme Court says you have to have a warrant unless I'm under arrest. Oh yeah? Well, the way things are going, they're gonna be changing that in about ten minutes. Mr. Longwood, you got a match? No, no, no. That's all right. I'll get it at the stove. Mm. I'll get it. It's a little tricky. There's a tendency to explode here. Come on, Rico. Let's go. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Longwood. All right. Come on, Mr. Longwood. We'll be back later. Yeah? Listen, I know I got a gripe with it here. I know I got a bum rap, but uh, I wouldn't do anything as stupid as what you just told me. What do you think, I'm a jerk? Just do me a big favor. Will you get the hell out of here, for Christ's sake? Come on, Mr. Longman. We have to follow our leads. It's our job. Yeah, 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 big deal. Look, I got my rights. This is my home. I want a little peace. Well, just do me a little favor, will you? Get the hell out of here. Sorry if we bothered you, Mr. Longman. Sorry, we go. Gesundheit.
Tell him one, two, three. Thank you. I was going to say, what the fuck did that have to do? (laughs) (laughs) No, George, look. I'm totally joking. I no, I it's fine. It's fine. We we do this all the fucking time. Trust me. Oh, no, yeah, it's supposed know. to be. We get off. We go. Time. We go like fring. We do yeah. it j- even sometimes just between the two of us. Yeah, um, always, always. This movie. I ha- I have a specific question for you. So sure. um, Owen Owen Roisman Rosman. Yes. Owen Roisman. Okay. Yes. Right. Brilliant. I mean, dude, you're talking. Um, just for our listeners, I I know you know, but he uh got an Oscar nom. Uh, for the following films, French Connection, The Exorcist, Network, uh, Tootsie, right? Like, he was Oscar nominated. The guy knows his shit. He goes down to the subway. He's like, this is what I got to work with. What the fuck? They can't set up a ton of lights because they got to break them down every night. So he's like, well, here's what I got to work with. I'm going to work with what's here. We're going to blow it out with, you know, brighter bulbs, you know, spray them down, et cetera, et cetera. What is what does aspect ratio mean to you? Like when when you're filming something, right? Because this is he initially this was gonna like be one eight five, I think. Yeah, one eight five. And then he went down there with with the the, the you know the kind of uh, Panavision, the kind of cinemascope, and was like mm, two three five is the way to go. And so I'm and anamorphic lenses he used. Right, 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 right. So I'm just wondering for you. What, what how does that translate to like us for for us lay people what does aspect ratio mean to you what is the difference between shooting 235 and 185 like what what are those different oh it's a very interesting question okay because look as a painter the 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 aspect ratio is your eye like what you see and what you yeah but 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 okay 185 your head's not going to turn as much when you have a wider screen. I- I'll give you the whole answer, okay? Yeah, no, no, I love it. It'll be a slightly drunken answer, but you're going to get the whole fucking. I fucking love it. Go. Okay. When you have a very, very wide screen, it tends to say grand by its nature because your head starts to swivel like a tennis match because you have to look at one side of the screen. If another, if there's two people talking on opposite side of a screen, you st- your head starts to turn. So. Right. Uh, in a one eight five, your head doesn't turn very much. One eight five is probably closer to human sight. So if you're shooting in one eight five, the brain tends to stay real. Okay. When when you shoot in two, what two three five? It's a two three five. Yeah, yeah I'm a director. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you you tend to say something. You're saying something grand. You're saying something bigger. You can also use what you can't do in 185 is you can use a lot of negative space in a shot. Like a person is off to one side. Right. So you can have like a, a negative space of darkness or whatever you want to do. Sure. Um, so I ask myself a lot of times, like, you know, well, what's the story about? What am I trying to say? Is it a very intimate story? Is it a person? Is the person in the, isolated or you know like what is the what is the what is the main thrust of the movie uh-huh. so i'll pick the ratio based on that you know if you want to isolate somebody it's good to put them in a in a longer a longer format because then you can put them to one side of the camera or the other side and have a lot of negative space and again just a, a fucking rube question within the aspect ratio you still get to have lens choices right 
Yeah, I mean, it all depends again what you're looking for. I'll give you an example, okay, about directing. Uh, you can read in a screenplay for 10 pages a guy meets a girl and they start, they're both baseball fans, okay? And you read all the dialogue. And in the dialogue, they're talking about baseball, they're talking about, let's say they're baseball fans, they're talking about baseball, blah, 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 baseball, baseball. They go to games together, blah, blah, blah. But as a director, you look at it and go, these two people are falling in love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's the subtext of what those 10 pages are about, let's say, in a script. So if that's the case, you would shoot that differently. When people fall in love, they're the only things that matter in a room. So if you, let's say, shoot choker shots, you use longer lenses, the background starts to come out of focus. It's only them in the room you know you're you're telling a story using lenses you know uh, uh if you look at Philly Freakin movies for instance he shot 185 he used basically 35s 40s i mean he, uh, 30 uh, 35s and 40s which is the closest thing to human sight right because he was always trying to replicate reality yeah. you know yeah yeah, well, I mean, that's why that's I mean, that's why his movies feel so fucking visceral. They feel visceral and real. Oh, yeah. They're right in your face. Yeah. About, yeah. 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 You could be there. You're you're it's not that you're just an observer. You're actually well, there. You're actually in that moment. And that's a good thing. Anamorphic lenses. Right. Uh, the backgrounds are even more out of focus. So um, like like with the shot on you right now. Yeah. I, I, well, your background is out of focus. You're completely well, focused. The reason, the reason I did that on Zoom is because uh, I have, uh, I, I'm moving, and so I've been packing, and I have one light, and it's so goddamn bright that if I right. don't blur it out, it's just over. It's actually a nice lighting situation. It forces yeah. me to look at you. Now, Don, for instance, it's a little more of a Alfred Hitchcock kind of angle because I'm looking up at him. There's a microphone in the foreground and the background is going this way. So it's slightly unsettling. So right. you always have to ask yourself, well, what am I trying to say in this shot? Am I trying so to I, I find Donnie unsettling frequently. Yeah. So yeah. Not just because of my background. No, sometimes sometimes it's just sometimes it's just because I picked a movie that he really fucking hates. <laughs> Like Harold and Maude. Like Harold and Maude. Oh, you wait, hated. Oh, wait, I love that movie so much, and you hated that what movie so much. That's what I'm talking about. You're putting me in bad stead with somebody. Uh, I'm sorry. Like Harold and I, didn't, I didn't know, it's I didn't my, know the bus. I didn't it's know the, the bus first thing I don't like ice cream. cream. What do you mean you yeah. don't like Harold and Maude was the first movie I ever saw, remember seeing, I saw when I was six years old at a drive-in. My mom had a boyfriend in the car. I was on the hood. I will, and I'm convinced that the reason that Harold Mott is the old, is the first movie I remember seeing, where other people remember seeing like Disney movies that I saw Harold Mott. That's why I'm so fucked up. I love that movie. I adore that movie. I think it's great. I think it's so lovely. Yeah, I love the last detail. I love being there. I love same director. Stop. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I have nothing against Hal Ashby. There is something from my generation and uh, some other generations that it, 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 in a way, 
to me at this point plays like the fucking twee Wes Anderson shit. I'm sorry to say Which that. Which I don't like. I know, I know that it's not. Much more to me, Rushmore. No, 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 no. Rushmore is great. Uh, stop. The Rushmore I, and Harold yes. the Moore to me are very, very close. Okay. And, the, yes. and the Royal Tannenbaums. I don't know that movie yeah. as well. Like that one I like. That one I like. Everything after no, it's like ha Hackman. Awesome. Hackman in that movie is it's so good. It's so good. Rushmore though, George. I don't I'm with you. I'm with you. playing Cat Stevens. Oh, All right. God. No. Okay. Anyway, I like Cat Stevens. <laughs> no, I, everybody no, loves Cat. No. I love Cat. Yusuf is great. I'm down. Tell him. Yes. Tell him one, two, three. Goddamn guitar! I'll start playing Cat Stevens. Oh, well, one, two, close three. us out. Close us oh out. Oh my God, he's getting the fucking. Oh my God, oh my God, he is getting the guitar. I there love this. Come on, oh, he's the greatest. Oh my God, look at that there guitar. Is. That is a sexy <laughs> fucking guitar. That's, that's nice. Look at that ornamentation. That's nice. Shit. Oof. Here we go. Trouble, oh, trouble, set me free. You have made me a mess. Won't you leave me in my misery? <laughs> and that's in Harold and Maud. Love it. That is that way. Wait, wait, wait. If you want to be, what's it? If you want to be sad, be sad. Yes! There's a million places to go. That's that's on the end credits. That All is right, the end we'll credits. All right, so now I have a. Uh, I'll have to rewatch the movie now. Yes, you will, because it's, it. it's such a good fucking movie. It's such a good fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just sit back, take it easy, or I'll stop. Yeah. No. no, no. <laughs> oh fuck! Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So, Pelham oh. one, two, three. Great what the pick. Fuck does this have to do with Pelham one, two, three? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> But this is the way our podcast works. It's just a, it's a, it's, it's three guys sitting in a fucking bar out. talking about movies. All right. That's so, what I will say, George, is <laughs> I thank you for Pelham One, Two, Three. It was such uh, a great, as a pick. solid pick. Solid. It was a solid pick. Solid. It was so much Ooh. fun. There will be quotes. <laughs> there will be quotes from the movie that we've probably referenced. Yeah. So now we're going to move on. And here's the game. Here's the game. Wow. Okay. The game we covered that subject. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know that's the that's the podcast. If you've never listened to the podcast, this yeah. is Donnie. Donnie and I do this every two weeks, where we just kind of yeah. yeah. We just go crazy. I'll listen to this. I'll listen to this and say, "What the fuck was that? <laughs> fuck are they talking about?" And then at a certain everybody point, everybody says, like, "Wow, they know what they're talking about." It's, it's fun. Back and All right. So Absolutely. the the last segment is the last segment is what Donnie and I call uh, the double feature. Okay. So if you are okay, so here's the game. The game is mm -hmm. you have a small, like you know, maybe fifty seat cinema, right? It's not big. Yeah. It's not big, right? And you get to invite your friends to watch the taking of Pelham One Two Three from 1974 and another movie. It's a double feature. They're going to sit together and they're going to watch this movie. The question is, what's the other movie? So, Donnie, what's your movie? I picked. Well, I'm going to cheat here because I always do. I always fucking. Harold and Maude. 
Well, yeah, Harold Maud. Now, yeah, now I'm gonna fucking pick Harold Maud. Why not? What the fuck? Why not? With George Gallo doing all the Cat Stevens. Just yeah, fuck him. No, I, we're I replacing the entire soundtrack. You can do it all. Replacing the entire soundtrack. Um, I was originally gonna pick you, mother uh, orphans in the storm. <laughs> That's a fucking deep cut. Jesus Christ! I was originally gonna pick Charlie Varick, the Don Siegel flick. Uh, Walter Mathrow. I was originally going to pick that because that's a great one. Because yeah, that is because good. Pelham Pelham for me is one of the first times. And look, you know, I grew up watching movies with my my parents in and out of cinema. Like we we were I had everything, just watched everything. And Pelham was one of the first times I saw Mathrow in a non comedic role, even though he's fucking hilarious in this movie. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's not the uh Neil Simon kind of shticky shit. It's okay? not the bad news bears. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And and fine. And I love him in that shit too. So just FYI. But Charlie Varick was one that I saw probably about I want to say like I saw it later. So I want to say probably about 15, 15, 17 years ago. So I saw it like later. And like, where the fuck was this movie my entire life? Because like, this is math. I was a fucking badass. Oh yeah, yeah. He's still he's still sarcastic. He's still kind of like you know he's, yeah, he's still well. He's, he's always gonna shit. have that shtick. He's, he's always gonna have that shtick. He's but. got it underneath it. But like, he's a fucking badass in this movie, and this is a badass movie. Yeah. Um. So I almost almost, but in terms of the heist, in terms of the feel of New York City on the street. At a certain period of time, I got to pick 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance. John, McTiernan, John McTiernan, I mean, it, it, obviously the movie, the script did not start out as a Die Hard movie that was rejiggered um, to, to kind of fit the John McClane kind of shit. Um, it's a solid movie, and it, 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 it really feels like Pelham to me. I just watched it last week. It, mm. it is man on the street. They are literally out there with people. Yeah. Um, it is Subway. It is a heist movie. Yeah, I would 100%. I, I would do. I would. And, and in order. Yeah. What what, would, what order I, would they, your audience sits down in the 50 yeah. theater? What are they going to see first? What are they going to see second? I would do. I would do Die Hard with a Vengeance first because it's, okay. it's just yeah. it's just more modern. It'll get you. Um, but the people that really want to see a dope flick will show up at 10 o'clock and come see Taking a Pelham 123. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So my double feature, what really got me about Pelham, uh, and, and it just, I couldn't escape it. And I loved it so much because of this, is that is so uniquely New York at a specific time and place. It just, it, it's just New York is a character. The other thing that really got me is that there were high stakes that were really kind of devastating and it was still very funny. So I was like, all right, so how do I, how do I book in that? And I realized a movie that I feel like does the same thing. It is devastating. It is incredibly New York is, is, is as much a character as anything else. And at times incredibly funny 1969's Midnight Cowboy. Hmm. I I love that movie just with my heart and soul. And, and I think it's a really good, like if, if you're going to have people come into a movie, you're going to say, you see a double feature, you're going to have your scotch or your bourbon. You're going to enjoy yourself. 
you're going to watch a couple of movies that really kind of say this is New York in that 68 to 70. Well, I guess four kind of feel. And it is really authentic and feels real and feels good. Even though there's high stakes, I think those are the two movies. And I think I would probably show it in reverse order. I would show Pelham first Hmm. um, because Pelham is funnier. Yeah. And it's and it, and 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 it it's and it's got a, a it's got a specific sensibility. And then I'd show Midnight Cowboy because Midnight Cowboy is a much darker film. It's still funny, but it's got a much darker ending and it shows a seedier side of New York mm-hmm. than Pelham does. And so that's what my double feature would be. All right. So George, George what's what you- your double what's your double feature, man? I don't know. I I have uh if you if you want to focus on New York at that time there's a movie called The Hot Rock. Are you familiar with that movie? I've never heard of it. I'm writing that down. You you have You're to killing me. Okay. It's 72. Okay. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. 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 Robert Redford, George mm-hmm. Segal, uh Zero Mistel, Paul Ooh, oh, God Peter damn. Yates. Fucking Peter, Peter Yates. Yates directed what? it and wrote the screenplay. All right. It is one of the most unknown, underrated, perfectly oh. funny movies. All right. Um, if you, it, it's a very simple premise. It's it's Robert Redford just gets out of prison at the beginning, and his his uh, brother in law is George Siegel, and <sighs> George Siegel wants to steal a diamond out of the Brooklyn Museum, and it's such a New Yorky movie of that time, and. Through the course of the movie, they keep stealing the diamond and losing it in a worse place <laughs> that right. they have to re-rob. It's fucking hysterical. Uh, and like right. I say, Peter Yates directed it, who did yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these very serious movies, but it's 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 wow. sort of this unknown masterpiece, I think. Yeah. And it, I, mean, uh, I mean, there's a scene. I mean, the movie is utterly ridiculous, but they they they... They shot it so real. There's a scene where the guy that loves to drive cars, uh, he lives with his mother by the highway, and they literally listen to records of the Daytona Speedway, and it's nothing but the engines roaring. (laughs) They just sit there listening, like crying. It it is such an absurd movie. Uh, I I love it. you never saw the high rock. I can't believe it. No, no, well, I, I, dude, I've never heard of it, George. Right oh, now, my my list includes Star Crash, Father Goose, and Hot Star Rock. Star Crash. That's just like Fuck Star Star Crash. I'm watching. No, but I'm watching all these. I'm watching all of these movies. No, no, Star Crash. You watch because like you you like bored. Oh, no. The High Rock is a terrific movie. It's a, oh, okay. is it is it gem. is it is it like Brinks job ish or is yeah, it? But it's it's like. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's like, it's some sort of, it's like an absurdist, you know, it's, I don't know. Something to be seen. It's like four New York guys get hired to rob a diamond from the Brooklyn Museum. They get hired by this guy, Dr. Mimosa, who is a (laughs) diplomat at the UN. And, and he, he wants the diamond stole. uh, Yeah. I think it's called the Sahara stone. Uh, but I mean, they hypnotize people, and the you know the key word is 
when you hear the words Afghanistan, Banana Stand. Oh, uh, no. Son. <laughs> <laughs> Manchurian <laughs> candidate shit. All right. Yes. All right. No, All it's right. hysterical. I love it. Like I, I say, it. it's an amazing cast. It's uh, I'm to find this. All right, right. So, and Don. So what and Don. order? Hold on. What order oh, no, are we going to watch it? We're going to. You got Pelham and you've got Hot Rock. Which order are you going to make your audience watch them in? Well, if if you're if you're making a if you're doing like a, if you're programming an event where you're saying movies, yeah, in New York in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, I probably do Hot Rock first because it's a lighter movie, you know, yeah. and you. You just laugh your ass off, and then <laughs> Pelham one, two, three, you're in a great mood, and then Pelham one, two, three, it takes a dark turn, you know. Right. And then I think you would take that trip, but the you'd walk out of there saying, "Wow, I saw two of the best movies ever shot in New York." Fuck yeah, and there then we go. play, and then we play Charlie Varick. Done. There you go. And there you Charlie, go. Yes, yeah, Charlie Varick. Definitely Fucking done. God. There you go. Beautiful. All about George. All about George. Thank you so much, man. You you're just you're you're a joy. You're oh, you're awesome. You. No, well, seriously, you. you're fun. I, I enjoyed it. Can I be honest with you? I was dreading this. I was like, oh no, I'm I, sorry. I said to Julie like a, a half an hour before the start. I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? I can't talk about Pelham one, two, three for two goddamn hours. And <laughs> what am I gonna say? I wasn't there. I like the movie. It yeah, right. Have, you know what am I gonna say after like, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Anyway, Thank this you. This is this is this is what we do, George. This yeah, yeah. So, and, and like I said, it's, it's great it, to have you on. Donnie Donnie's uh, father's uh, elevator pitch for this show is dudes sitting around uh, talking about movies, and I love that we deviated. I love that you had ideas. I you're you're a joy. You're you're awesome. Oh, Listen, you're a blast. I have a movie that's. I'm not. I'm not selling. No plug, plug, pitch, plug, pitch, pitch, plug, pitch, plug, plug, pitch, do it. I directed a movie a couple of years ago that got tied up in litigation that finally looks like it's going to be playing in front of audiences. And it, the reason I'm bringing it up is because it is about the year 1974. Mm-hmm. It's, called the, it's called the Comeback Trail. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's Robert uh, De Niro, yes. Tommy Lee Jones, and Morgan Freeman. D- D- George, tell 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 everybody what it's about because the fucking yeah, tell, the, tell premise, about the it. premise is fucking. So the premise hilarious. is Robert De Niro in 1974. <laughs> he plays the. It's sort of like the producers. He plays the world's worst movie producer. He's so brilliant in it. He makes movies like Killer Nuns. Uh, he makes the worst <laughs> movies in the world, and he runs Miracle Motion Pictures. If it's good, it's a miracle. And, and, and and he 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 can't make any he can't make a hit movie. So he decides that the only way he can make some real money if it is if he puts together what appears to be a movie and heavily insures the lead actor and kill him in a stunt. <laughs> well, they they hire uh, they hire Tommy Lee Jones to go to the old actor's home, and they meet Tommy Lee Jones and he was a star like fifty years ago. Uh, you know, he's like Randolph Scott, 1974, and he's completely <laughs> suicidal. They go, oh, he's perfect. He wants to die. And they heavily insure him, and they make this movie, and they try to kill him before lunch, and they can't fucking kill him. He survives every fucking stunt. They set fire to him. They throw him down canyons, and they start making a hit movie totally by accident because they have to shoot it all to make it look like they're... It's really very funny. It's very... Oh, that sounds great. 
It is. It's a lot of fun. And I shot it like a 70s movie, which, uh, you know, some critics didn't get because they weren't around then. But I tried to make it look like it was made in the 70s, you know. Yeah. So. I yeah. Yeah. No, it's we, we had so hitters, much fun. Yeah, we made we had so much fun making it. We were and De Niro really uh he really did have you seen it yet, Don? Have you seen it? All right. Well then I'm gonna do well the, the, what George, one of the things that we we traditionally do is Donnie and I pick two movies that we're looking forward to. We call it trailer geeks and we play the trailer. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play um comeback trail as our trailer geek because i want people to see this i want to see it i'm gonna find it i'm gonna watch it's it fun. yeah it's very fun. much directorial it's very much a throwback to those old oh i love it i love it so i i actually watch it i watch a lot of arthur hiller movies i watch oh. uh, in laws i want he's an underrated filmmaker oh no he's so good are you kidding me uh, I, I, all right i fa fair enough that he's underrated but god damn are you kidding me out of towers oh. oh he's so talented he's yeah. one of so the I, best movies ever made yeah i so i shot it in that kind of manner oh i'm excited about that all right last what? All right. Don't so, bring me back to that island with whatever the with the yeah, the desert island. Um. Uh, what the the last thing I'll ask. Okay. So we definitely want people to watch uh, Comeback Trail. Is there anything you're working on right now that people can look forward to, or is there a secret project, a secret project that you have not yet really gotten into that you are dying? to fucking get done and get out there um no i have two projects i'm working on you know i'm working on this movie red card uh about uh, that i wrote with nick valalonga uh, do you know nick i've heard the name yeah nick did nick wrote green book and uh okay the, yeah yeah, yeah. like Oscar, i said i best, movie, yeah, best picture yeah nick i've heard the name movie. yeah yeah so he and i wrote a script together about uh, this very dark movie about based on a true story about the uh, sex, uh, child trafficking, uh, it's a musical. No, it's a musical. <laughs> Gene Kelly. Uh, really, huh? Yeah. Really dark movie. Uh, we just finished the script and people seem to really dig it. So we'll see what happens with that. And then I, uh, Nick and I are also doing a movie on the life of Carlo Gambino. Um, so those are the two movies we've been working on. Very cool. Yeah. trying trying you know if i can wrap this up i i'd love to talk about that island again no i i, I uh <laughs> yeah i want to talk about i want to talk about exactly who's on her all fours i want to know yeah. i want to <laughs> nice i want to get you i want to get you in trouble yeah she's a nice girl she's well read uh, <laughs> You know, she's she's very pretty. We both like Faulkner. So. <laughs> um, and, and she was in an Ionesco play. So I think nice, nice. Now, uh, um, 
What was the fucking question? <laughs> you wanted to wrap this up. You were gonna you were oh, gonna no, wrap no, no, this no. up. Wrap this up. Yeah. yeah. Who the hell knows? I don't remember what I was gonna say. Hey guys, this was a blast. Thank you so much.